When someone tells me that they're uncomfortable in the subtle no, I usually tell them you need to be saying hard no a lot more. Just just start to make that your default and then see what happens. And most of the time they report back to me, yeah, you know, I started saying no to everything that wasn't a hell yeah. And guess what? Now I, I'm starting to say yes more often. You know, it didn't actually make me say no to everything and become a hermit. And, and it actually helped me clarify what was a yes. And so I've started to actually say yes to more. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to the show. We're Finn and Emma. Don't smirk at me. I can smirk at whoever I want to. (laughs) It's a podcast. Nobody can see what I'm doing. Yeah, but you distract me that way. I am. My smirk is very distracting. (laughs) Welcome to... Focus Fridays, Season 2, Episode 3. This is Part 3 of the Enneagram Experience with Kelsia. We took a deep dive in all things Enneagram with Kelsia, and we have an amazing conversation again with her today. This is the finale. Yes. So that cliffhanger we left you with last week, we're going to pick up there. And we're going to tie it all together. Yes. If you haven't listened to the last two parts, we highly encourage you to go do that because you will likely be very confused if you don't listen to those first. Yeah, I would definitely recommend listening to the last two. I mean, it's amazing. You get to hear me cry in the first one. And then, (laughs) I don't know, the second one's pretty emotional too. But this Mm -hmm. one, this one's lighter. This one will leave you feeling good. Yeah, we dig into the bodies of intelligence today. And I'm going to leave it there because Kelsey explains it all in just a few minutes. And we don't want to... Fuck it all up. (laughs) I wasn't going to say that. (laughs) Transparency is the name of the game today. That's true. If you're interested in doing the Enneagram experience with Kelsia, go and use the links in the show notes to sign up. She offers a personalized Enneagram typing as well as a 90-minute session. If you want to book more sessions, you can do that with her as well. The links in the show notes let her know that we sent you as well as support the show. So go check it out. To find those show notes, you head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Yes. You click on the Focus Fridays tab, which is under the resources, or you click on the podcast tab, or you click on the links in your show notes of your podcast player. There's a lot of ways to get there. We trust that you can find it. And while you're there, we would hope you find that contact us page. Send us an email. Send us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to send you back an email. But we yes. can't do that if you don't email us first. So do that. And with that, let's go talk to Kelsia for the last time. I don't say about the last time because don't say the last time because the knows, last maybe the, she'll come back. For, right. Well, there might be an encore. We never know. Now but, we're making promises we can't deliver. Okay. On. The last part of this three-part Enneagram series. Man, you okay. take this so literally. Yeah. I think we need to look into that. <laughs> okay. Let's go. Well, welcome back to the show, Kelsia, our third time talking about the Enneagram. And we're super excited that you're back and we can't wait to dive in yet again. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Emma and Finn, and I appreciate the time. And 
um, just another opportunity to teach you guys and um, your listeners about the Enneagram and in just a different way or a different part of it that's really, really important and interesting. And like I said last time, there's so many great things about the Enneagram. We could be here for 12 podcasts about it, but I really tried to choose the things that I thought had the most value to you personally, but then also to people that might be listening. And so today we're going to talk about um, the idea of the centers of intelligence. And so the way the Enneagram is, is three, three, and three. And so of course, three is a great number and all kinds of things. And the Enneagram really leans on the triad idea with a lot of things about Enneagram. And the, the triads that we kind of have mentioned, especially in the first episode we did, where we really just talked about all of the numbers, we talked about the, the feelings and the quarter motivations and one of the kind of interesting things about the triad is they're sort of aligned by the numbers based on certain things. And this is just another thing that sort of groups them together in threes. So there are three centers of intelligence that the numbers each fall into. There's the body or the gut or the instinctive center of intelligence. And the numbers for eight, nine, and one are in that triad. And I'm going to remind you that they're also in the anger triad. So the primary emotion that leads this group is anger. How they feel it, when they feel it, if they feel it, anger is kind of the, the, the number. And these are body-centered numbers. So they're in the body center of intelligence. The second is the heart or the feeling center of intelligence. And the two, the three, and the four fall into that triad. And their core emotion is shame, or some people call it distress, but it's sort of a hard emotion. And they are in that heart or feeling triad and that center of intelligence. And the last one is the head or the thinking center of intelligence. And the five and the six and the seven on the Enneagram fall into that triad. And their core or primary feeling is fear. So they fall into that grouping. And each of those centers have sort of the highest self. So if they were at their most healthy or their most authentic or their most fulfilled or their most adult place on the Enneagram, the body center of intelligence are going to be very grounded. The heart center of intelligence are going to be very connected to others and themselves. And the thinking or the head center of intelligence is going to have a quiet mind. So they're going to kind of be at peace. And we need all the centers and we have all of the centers. So even if your number falls in one, it's the one that it would be the best for you to learn to lead with. But we need all three of them. No one can exist with just one center of intelligence. We're full beings. And like we've talked about before, you need all three. But when you are in the head center, it's your goal or what you're trying to do is to make life certain, to be secure for yourself and for others. When you're in the heart center, you're trying to pursue the need you have for bonding and love with others. And when you're in the body center, you sense what's wrong with the world and you take action to correct or fix it. So those are the three centers and sort of what they make up. Now let's talk about real quickly before we dive into you guys and a little experience, what it would be like to lead with each center. So if you're in the head center, you're going to lead in this way. So in your best self, this is almost like a superpower you have. You're connected to that center more. And if you can learn to tap into this, you're going to lead this way. So you're going to lead filtering the world through your mental faculties. And your goals are going to be to minimize things that are scary. You're trying to lessen fear for you, 
or people you love, strangers, anyone. And you do that by trying to manage potentially painful situations ahead of time or planning. These are the planning numbers. And so you do that also to gain a sense of certainty so that you can be less afraid. So this is going to be an analyzing, an envisioning, an imagining, preparing, a planning. It's all of those activities belong in this head center. And so people in the head center try to figure out the world, try to understand things in a way to gain security. And they assess risk and they follow the rules and they do a lot of anticipating the future. So it's a lot of thinking about what will happen or what could happen or what might happen. But we need the head center because it's also where we get thoughtfulness. It's where we get discernment. It's where wisdom comes from. And when it's in that quiet place, it's where real peace is found. So if you lead with the heart center, you're going to perceive the world through your emotional intelligence. You're going to be really attuned to the mood and the feeling states of yourself and others. So you know what people are feeling. You just kind of can intuit that. And you have a need for acceptance and contact and affection, bonding, and to feel loved and lovable. You're going to depend on others to recognize and admire you. So your sense of, am I safe, is about making sure that other people are bonded with you and they accept you and they love you. And so what these numbers do is they create an image of themselves that makes them special. And that helps people to love them. So either you're going to be really helpful, like a two, and you need people to need you, and that's where you get your yourself from. Or you're going to be a three who's an achiever, and you're going to create this image of being a great and wonderful, and people are going to kind of praise you, and that's how you're going to get your acceptance. Or in a four, you're going to be this broody, moody, really special, unique being, and that's going to draw people to you for your creativeness and just your ability to feel feelings. The good that comes from this number and this center, I'm sorry, this head center, heart center, is that it helps us have empathy, kindness, understanding, and compassion. And we need to lead with this center for really good relationships. So when we lead with that center, we're all about relationships. And when we are all using that center, we're really good in our relationships. And so last, we're going to talk about the body center, which is where both of your numbers, nine and one, live. And so people in the body center are going to filter the world through their physical and somatic sensations, how they feel as they show up in the world. And that this center has an inner knowing that we kind of call instinct or gut. They have a strong sense of sort of knowing about people, about situations, people that seem very just kind of in that um, phrase of, I just had this feeling something bad was going to happen. I just went into the room and I knew I shouldn't be there. That's a lot of body-centered intelligence. They also are very aware of their position. So they know when they're doing well and they know when they're not doing well. And they know kind of their ranking amongst other people and just where they kind of are in life. And they also use all of that to make life the way they think it should be. So they have a really good sense of how things are, but they have a better sense of how they think things should be. And that's sort of that positional part. But the body center is about place. They want to know where they are in the world and how they're feeling in the world. And they don't want to have a lot of discomfort. So they're trying to minimize that. But the body center is the most grounded to here and now of all of the centers of intelligence. It is present moment focused. What is happening right now in this moment. 
in space and in time and in spirit. So everything that's happening right now, they're keenly aware of. So if they're trying to make it better, it's because I know what's wrong right now. If they're trying to keep the peace, they know what's in conflict right now. And if they're trying to protect or right or wrong, they know what's not right and needs to be fixed right there. So all of those numbers are just present sense. And so we need the body center because the energy that we need to have action to correct and fix and champion all happens there. To decide how much power it's going to take to get things done and make things right is happening there. But most importantly, I think, is to be grounded in the moment. You know, to be fully present takes to be in your body. You have to be there to be there. And we really don't want to lose that sense of that center of intelligence is power. So we need all three, but each number on the Enneagram has a home base. It has one that it's a little bit more suited for just naturally. What happens is when we're not really comfortable with our own center of intelligence, we lean too heavily on the others. So for example, if you're a person that's in the body center, And you've never really taken the time to know how you feel. And nines are probably some of the worst at this. We don't have a lot of time to worry about what's happening with me. So we don't really take a lot of time to get the messages that our body is trying to send us about this isn't okay. Speak up for yourself. Say no. So we tend to kind of shut down some body-centered stuff. And we start to rely on our feeling or our thinking centers, our heart and our head centers more which is fine, but those aren't our home centers. So it's sort of like a crutch, like we're walking okay, but we could be doing it a lot better if we weren't leaning on those other centers more than we should be. So what we want to do is we want to work to get more comfortable with the center that's our home. And for your numbers, it's the body center. So that's what we're going to do today. If you guys are interested and ready, we're going to do a little exercise to teach you guys how you could get more in touch with your body center of intelligence. Yes. Ready and ready and willing. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say two things before we get started. First of all, everyone listening, do this along with us. This is a great thing. I don't care if you're an eight or you're nine or you're a one or you're any of the other numbers on the Enneagram. Everyone needs all the centers. And this exercise that we're going to do, there's not a person alive that couldn't benefit from this work. So everybody should do it. It's such an easy thing to do. And it's really going to give you a lot of information about your body communicating with you. The other thing I want to say is that this exercise came from a woman named Diana Chapman, who is a amazing um, therapist and author. She is um, featured on an episode of Tim Ferriss that I'm going to link in the show notes with you guys. And I highly recommend you listen to that. And this exercise actually came from that podcast. Um, She's written about it as well, but it's a great one. And she does it beautifully, and I'm going to just sort of borrow it. But it's a great listen, and I highly recommend. Um, She's a a brilliant woman and really has a lot to share. So what we're going to do today is a kind of a somatic or a body-focused exercise. And what we're going to try to teach ourselves is what does it mean to have a full body yes, a full body no, and then sort of a subtle no. So there's lots of times in our lives where it's a hell yeah. We want to do it. We really are excited and we are, we want to embrace those things. Our body's really loud in that moment. And it's the same thing with a no. A lot of times our body is screaming at us, no, 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 red light flashing, and we can feel it. A harder one can be sort of a subtle no. And to really be present and be value, value our time and our effort and our energy, 
it's really important that we start to pay attention to subtle no's because those are things that are sort of a waste of those things. So yeah, they're not going to kill you, but we don't have unlimited time and energy and money and, and resources and all of those things. So if we can start to be more in tune with when it's not really a yes, we can start to say no to more things that aren't a valuable use of those things. So I really want to focus on that, but we're going to do all three to really help you guys learn this. So the first thing you can do is close your eyes because I want you to not be paying attention to what's happening, but be paying attention to what's happening inside your bodies. So your bodies know what a yes and a no feel like. And what we're going to do is try to tap into what they try to tell us in those moments. So I want you to think all the time when you had an experience that was very positive, it, it had a positive impact on you. It was joyful. It's something that you would absolutely, without hesitation, say yes to again. And I want you to go back in your mind to that time, to that moment. And I want you to try to recreate as much as you can of that memory. Replay the scene in your mind with as much detail as you can. What did you see? Who were you with? Are there any sounds, any smell, anything that you can add to this experience of that full yes? And as you kind of feel that, I want you to pay attention to your body. Where do you feel the energy of your body centered or flowing? Is there a part that feels almost like it's vibrating a little or it's glowing? or it's just heavy, or it's full. Maybe it feels warmer or cooler than normal. Do you, in your mind's eye, see any colors or any visuals? Maybe you hear something like tones or sounds. You really want to just kind of explore your body and pick up on what feels just, yes, good, forward pulling. And I want you to kind of stop right here and map this out in your body because this is what your body feels like in a full body yes. And I want you to kind of take a mental picture of what this feels like because this is your body center of intelligence saying, let's do this. This is good for us. All right, now I want you to kind of shake that off. We're going to go a different direction. So sort of let that go. And now we're going to do the same thing. So get back kind of into your chair and close your eyes again. And we're going to go the opposite way. So I want you to think of a time you would not want to repeat. Not so far as something traumatic, because those are different sensations, but just something you would not say yes to, that this would definitely be a, not a rewind. You would not go back and do this again. It was a no. And just a real no, no thank you moment from your past. And we're going to do exactly the same thing. I want you to remember as much as you possibly can from that moment. Where were you? Who was with you? What did you see? What did you hear? 
What did you feel? And then again, I want you to scan your body and pay attention to what's lit up. Are you tight somewhere? Are you hot? Are you tense in a different place of your body? Do you see any colors or visuals? Hear anything? This is a place where people will taste a bad taste in their mouth, literally. But I want you to go and do a map of this feeling because this is your body in a full body no. And when you feel this way, it's a clue from your body center of intelligence to say no. So I want you to take a mental picture of this feeling too. All right. So now we're going to shake that one off too. <laughs> All right. The so one shake more time. It off. This is it. Shake that off. Last time. And this is the hardest one, but I want you to try and see because this is subtler. It's quieter. It's not a scream, but there's still some information to be gained here. And I think in a lot of ways, it's more important information. So let's close our eyes one more time. I want you to try to think about a time that you said okay to something. And a part of you sort of knew it was going to be a waste of your time. It was an eh moment. Now, again, it wasn't, didn't cost you a tremendous amount like that full body no, but you sort of knew you shouldn't have taken that call or you shouldn't have gone to that lunch or you shouldn't have taken that, taken that trip. It just was a, ugh. And it's kind of a quiet, light no. But I want you to think of a memory, if you can, of a time when that happened. And then we're going to do the same thing. Remember as much as you can. You're trying to really be there again with your body. What happened? Who asked you? Where were you? What was around you? And again, I want you to feel your body. Feel what's lighting up. What's getting hot? What's getting cold? What feels tingly? And then one more time, I want you to go and make a map of what your body is telling you about a subtle no. This is a way to learn to say no to things that are a waste of your time and your energy and your emotion. I want you to take a picture, a mental picture of this too. Now you can open your eyes and we're done. So you can shake off that too. It's always good after a somatic thing to shake your body out. Shake it out. It's coaching. Yes. Shake it off. Thank you. <laughs> so tell me what you guys' thoughts about that were. And don't share the experiences you were remembering, of course, but talk to me about if you felt any difference in your body. Did your body, I like to say, understand the assignment and go, oh, okay, let me give you some data about this. And if so, what what did you feel learn? What did you key in on? Do you want me to go first? Uh, I think what I noticed with the full body yes was my breathing slowed down and my shoulders relaxed. 
and I just was less tense um, in general. I just felt more at peace and calm and relaxed and excited, uh, which is just a very, yeah, it's a peaceful feeling, right? It's an at, you're at ease. Um, with the full body, no, I was definitely much more tense. I felt my breathing was like a little bit more rapid. Mm-hmm. Um, and just heaviness in my chest overall. With the, um, like a maybe no or a soft no, that's for me, that goes to my gut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I often, um, it just, it feels like a pit in my stomach and it hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably because I'm not always good at listening to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, when something's a really strong, no, that's easier to like listen to when it's just a, maybe it's, I always, almost always tend to say yes. And, yeah. uh, that people pleasing mm-hmm. <laughs> tendency and peacemaker in me. Um, but sometimes I need to do a better job listening to my gut. So I think, I feel like my body listened pretty well to the assignment. Um, yeah, I could, t- I could notice differences as okay. I, as I, as you talked us through it. Wonderful. What about you, Finn? Yeah, so for me, maybe it's better to go in opposite order of like the the hard no. So the actually the the I feel the like um well I guess a soft no. Mm-hmm. That one I tend to actually feel more than the hard no. Like for some reason with the hard no, like it's easy for me because I'm just like this is not gonna happen and I can yeah. like I can just I just kind of know like it's not. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't spend too much time on it, but like, I definitely feel it like in my, maybe like my solar plexus kind of like uh, upper gut, but the, the like soft no is one that is like, I think I spend like a majority of my time there in just in general. And so mm-hmm. it's like a combination of like gut solar plexus and then like in my like chest and it just feels like um a vice like yeah like there's a giant vice just cranking down on it like all the time and mm-hmm. so the the yes when when that happens when i am where i feel like i should be or doing something i feel like i should be i feel that like pressure release temporarily mm-hmm. but it's it it wasn't it's not easy for me to get there even like in an exercise like this. Like yeah. it, it's difficult to like fake it till I make it on that one. Right. The full body. Yes. is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So maybe for you, the full body. Yes. Is a lack of those other feelings. You know, a lot of times it's not what you feel. It's what you don't feel. Mm-hmm. So I tell people a lot of times that, you know, they'll say, well, when one of them, I just felt nothing. And I'm like, great. That's what it feels like for you. A yes is no vice. And no, you know, maybe it's it's no tightening, but it's no sure no. It's just that other sort of spacey feeling that's like, this is a this is a go. Okay, good. I go forward this way. So it can be the state of your body can just be sort of nothing. And that's just the state it is. And I'll tell people, do this, you can do this 
often. It's not a bad inventory to do several times a year. Really sort of learn, especially if you have a big yes. Like, wait, I want to remember what this feels like. This is a definite yes. So you're sort of mapping it as you go. Now that you sort of have the roadmap, you can do this, of course, anytime you want, all the time. But pay attention. If you are saying yes to things and it's definitely a great yes and it works out great and it's definitely was a sure thing, do you just kind of feel an absence of any hard no or just that pull of I'm not sure? And that may be the mapping for you of what a full yes feels like. It actually just feels like peace, like nothing. And that's learning for sure. And that may not be a place that there's any need for alert. It's just your body going, keep walking, keep walking, keep walking, which is great. So, yeah, that kind of resonates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all, this is all, like I said, new information, but information that's really valuable and not necessarily, oh, you know, in the K-12 curriculum for us as human beings, when we get all our information, you don't have a lot of classes where it's like, let's talk about your body's information system and things like that. So it can sometimes be something we sort of figure out later. And we have really good ways of listening to the other centers and this body one can just be a mystery. So I think there's also a space here for us to talk about other ways that our body talks to us. Um, You know, when we develop as human species, we developed a very strong verbal ability. And a lot for a lot of people, the verbal ability became the primary way that we got information and the primary way we gave information. I think before we had such a complex and well-developed verbal system, we probably relied on a lot more physical stuff. So there, I always tell people that anything that's not using your verbal ability is probably a body-centered thing. So there's lots of ways our bodies talk to us. And another thing that's a great clue of it's your body talking to you is if you can't make it do it on your own. So people will say, I get really flushed when I'm in a, especially um, when people are in um, awkward situations socially. You know, I'll get into the situation and I just get really flushed or my, my heart starts racing or I get really sweaty. Those are ways that your body is saying it needs something. It doesn't necessarily mean cut and run. But it may need a moment. It may need a little bit of reassurance. It may need a little bit of sort of inner confidence building where you're like, we got this. This is uncomfortable. Let's, let's carry on. It may need to leave. It may need an exit. But anytime your body is acting in a way that's against what you would like it to do, I usually say, that's your body saying, hey, pay attention to me. And it usually serves us to do it. So even if that is just, a pause where you say, what you're trying to tell me here is enough sometimes for the body to say, I'm nervous, I'm worried, are you sure about this? And to check in again with the other center of intelligence, our brains or our emotions, and let those things make decisions as well. It's, it's really a way to link it all in to use all the centers together as a team. But the body is sort of the toddler of the group, so it doesn't have really good verbal skills, so it tends to throw itself on the ground and flail. And I always tell people, be grateful when your body does that, because even though it's betraying you, if you're in a social situation, you're soaking through your dress, it's trying to help you. It's concerned. It's got issues. And that probably will serve you if you stop and figure out what they are. So it's a really good practice to start to stop when we feel our bodies doing things that are outside of our control or our wants, because there's usually a reason for it. And that reason is usually information. Either it wants more information or it wants to give us information that it feels strongly about. So 
I think that, that there's lots of tools people can use if they would love to be more in tune with their somatic senses. And they probably have most of them. And it's not really out that, all that far out of the realm of what they do every day. It's just listening to the signals that they're getting. And what sometimes happen is, it happens is that people will numb their body system. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I don't want to feel this pit in my stomach. I don't want to feel these feelings. And so we tend to reach to numb the body center or the emotional center of intelligence. And that's just really not a good way to serve us because it's not really, it can numb it to the point where it stops telling us things, which is never a good thing. Or it can numb it to the point where it gets so loud that we actually become sick. So um, there's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score. It talks a lot about how we don't listen to ourselves. Our physical body goes, that's fine. I'm going to get your attention one way or the other. And the one way tends to be we get sick. So there's so much knowledge in our bodies. And I just really think it's important for people to start to stop and listen and see what they can gain from it. Because we give so much credence to the intelligence center and now or the, the head intelligence center. And we're starting to give so much credence to that emotional intelligence part. So I just don't want that body center to get left behind because it has just as much to say and just as much to offer us in terms of go, stop, wait. And those are important messages and they really serve us. Yeah. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's talk about just real quick to kind of wrap this up before you guys have any questions or anything about why would we want to really kind of work on these centers? Why would we want to start to lean into the one that's our home? Why would we want to see what's available to us in the others and and really kind of work on all of them. And I think there's three really good reasons. One is when we talked two podcasts about ago and last podcast, we talked about the great thing about the Enneagram is that it lets us have awareness of why we behave the way we behave. So this, this idea of greater awareness about our whys and then using that to create language around our behavior so that we can explain them to people we love and we can have other people notice them and speak to us in love about them as well. So the intelligence centers really help us with that awareness piece. What's happening with me? What do I feel? What do I think? What's my body doing? It's just more data and it's more places to get curious as we do that work. And it's also a way to be more connected to our thoughts and our feelings and our actions. Those are coming from different places. And the more we pay attention and learn about them, the more we make decisions. We respond instead of react. We grow that space between stimulus and reaction. All of that stuff happens with awareness. The second reason it's really good is that anybody that's interested in self-development, this is another way to stretch. It's another way to push ourselves. And people that are really into that and really pushing themselves like the discomfort of leaning into something that maybe they're not that comfortable with. And this is a great way to do it. If you're not comfortable with your emotional center of intelligence, you want to lean into that. You want to find somebody that will help coach you and give you some more emotional intelligence because that's going to serve you in every single thing you do, whether it's work or relationships or just your own personal peace. And the last thing is a big Enneagram word called integration. So the goal that a lot of Enneagram teachers have is to become a fully integrated person to take all of this knowledge and all of these intelligences and all of this learning and just use it to our wholeness. And so integration is the access we have to the productive and full use of all of the centers of intelligence for the good that they each offer us and to be able to rest in our home and our number 
in our center of intelligence, but to reach to the others for support and connection and learning and growth and compassion. And that's the definition of that integrated piece. And so what we've kind of been building on is learning about ourselves, learning that others are not like us, learning why we may behave and act the way we do and why others may behave and act the way they do, learning what we look like when we're really activated in a stressful situation or really deactivated in a restful situation or a secure situation. And then how these three places where we get messages and where we have strength and where we learn, you know, our head and our heart and our, and our bodies can teach us and give us more information. So that's really all of these things are working towards this wholeness or integrated piece. And so our centers of intelligence are just another tool in the Enneagram toolbox to help us get there. Yeah. Thank you. That, that makes so much sense. And we appreciate you diving into all of that as well. Um, for people who want to learn more, I know you mentioned about the podcast and a book uh, and, of course, Enneagram resources. Do you have any other resources that you would encourage people to learn more about the body system? And um, Absolutely. I really feel like the book, I'm going to give you a link to it in the, um, in the show notes, is so important. Um, it's just anything that you can read um, about somatic work is really important. Also, people that are interested in getting more in touch with their body, go to a yoga class get a massage, do something that's actually, and then pay attention to your body. A lot of times we just don't give ourselves a lot of love in the center. And, you know, it's a place where we have this ability because we are living in this body and it has more nerve endings and all of these ways that we can access it. Um, You know, it's hard to touch your brain and it's hard to touch your heart. You can touch your body. Other people can touch your body. So you've got a lot of knowledge and a lot of learning about what feels good and what doesn't feel good to you. Not just maybe in a sensual sense, but in a just day-to-day life sense. So anything that makes your body have to interact and you have to kind of pay attention to it. That's why I really love yoga. Just because yoga is focusing on those different, you know, movements and those different stretches and those different poses and really being connected with your body, being connected with the ground. Um, Grounding is another thing that's really great. Being outside barefoot and just sort of feeling yourself on the planet, it's really, really great somatically. It really does something. There's very little, we talked about this before, there's very little in nature that doesn't help us connect with ourselves. And so if you are one of those people that are busy and running around and you also don't feel very connected to your body, a simple thing that you could do that's not talking to a coach or reading a book or going to a yoga class is go outside and find some ground to stand on with nothing between you and the ground. And it's amazing how much that can light you up in a way that people are surprised about. Um, you know, children love to run barefoot and it's just this natural thing to them. And as adults, we just kind of shut that down. But I think there's something really just base level about being outside and connecting with the ground and nature and just really feeling that in a body sense. Lay in the ground. I don't care. Figure it out. But you and the earth have a date and make it happen. And that's a huge somatic thing that really helps people a lot. Yeah. Every day you can have a date with the ground. It can only yep. take Every less day. than five minutes. <laughs> Even if it's snowing, you can touch it. Don't put your feet in it, but yeah, snow, use your hands, let it fall on your hair, that kind of thing. But yeah. And yeah. just taking a moment, I think 
something that's really incredible about the body center is like we spoke about, we talk about leading with it is being present. When you're in your body, when you're in this body center, you are here and now. And, you know, there's not a lot of anxiety sometimes in here and now. There's not a lot of what ifs or if onlys because those are really backwards and forward focused. But present, what's happening in this moment is powerful. And a lot of people do a lot to not stay there. And our bodies kind of want to remind us, well, wait, what's going on right here? And that's, mm-hmm. that's powerful work. Mm-hmm. Do you have any questions? I don't. I'm actually content. Nobody asked from them. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah, not and sweating. I'm not sweating through my shirt, so that's yeah. a good sign. I forgot to mention that one. That's a thing that happens to me. When you mentioned it, I was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> I know." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's another thing is just kind of thinking through, you know, other things. People will sort of have aha moments, like, "Oh yeah." You know, I get flushed or I get really tired. You know, a lot of times people will, will come and talk to me and they're like, I'm just so fatigued. I'm like, your body's trying to tell you to rest. Your body's trying to tell you to stop something. Your body's trying to tell you it wants more of something. What is it? And, mm-hmm. you know, our, our bodies don't have words. And so, again, they have to use other systems besides the verbal system to get our attention. Um, listen. And usually it doesn't go away and get better, <laughs> unfortunately. So, it's a good idea to get really tuned in and start to hear it early. And again, what like talking about those subtle notes, your body's trying to say, don't waste my time and my energy and my effort and my emotional reserves because we don't always have unlimited of those. And so it's important for both of you to learn that because for Finn, there's yeses and there's no's and it's black and it's white a lot of the time. And that space of I'm not sure, for me, if I was coaching you, I'd say that's a place for you to start to say no more. Because, again, you can always say no and retreat back and realize that you misspoke and want to go with yes. It's very difficult to unsay a yes. It's just harder. So when someone tells me that they're uncomfortable in the subtle no, I usually tell them you need to be saying hard no a lot more. Just, Just start to make that your default and then see what happens. And most of the time they report back to me, yeah, you know, I started saying no to everything that wasn't a hell yeah. And guess what? Now I'm starting to say yes more often. You know, it didn't actually make me say no to everything and become a hermit. And, and it actually helped me clarify what was a yes. And so I've started to actually say yes to more. But starting with saying no is a, a good way for ones, especially to do the work. If you're not sure, say no. And that will help you get clear about what to do. You know, for you, Emma, saying no is a, an open door to conflict. And that is scary. Mm-hmm. So there's work for you in saying no more. Saying no to a deadline, saying no to another project, saying no to an ask. Again, you can always retreat and come back and say, you know what? I've done some looking at my calendar. I've done some work on my schedule and I can actually say yes to that. Most people will be thrilled. You're not going to disappoint anyone by coming back with a yes. But leading with a no is sometimes good training to get better at saying the good yeses and the good no's. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's just some work that you guys can learn from that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. And it's awesome thoughts, I guess, to reflect on and, and to keep thinking on. So we really appreciate, Absolutely. we really appreciate all of the information you've given us in all three of these sessions. It's been a, we feel like a deep dive, uh, but we've learned so much and really appreciate, um, yeah, all your time and yeah, thank you so much for that. Of course. Thank you. I really appreciate getting to share this 
this tool that I really love. I think is just has so much value. And I just appreciate you guys being interested and curious about it and letting me talk about it and geek out on Enneagram stuff. I love that. And um, of course, I'm available if anybody wants to do more work on that area. They can come and reach it, reach me through the contacts um, because I'm always happy to chat with people about Enneagram and what it can do and how it can help them in their lives. Yeah. So I wanted to talk, ask you quickly about that too. If somebody wants to book a session with you, um, mm-hmm. can you just briefly describe what that would look like? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when people decide, especially I really I highly encourage them, I think you'll have a link to it about the Enneagram experience. It's really an inexpensive way to do a little bit of Enneagram work and you get a lot of information from it. So what will happen is, is that if you decide to purchase that, then you're going to, I'm going to get an email and you're going to get an email from me that has all the information about your typing. So you, Emma and Finn, you guys went through this and you're going to read some information and we're going to do some back and forth over email where we kind of get clued in on what your number might be. I'll send you some stuff to read and all that happens before you actually meet with me over Zoom. And then at your convenience, after we've kind of geared in on what your number is or at least what we think it is, um, you'll just book a session at your convenience and we just do sort of a 90 minute conversation. We talk about a lot of what we talked about on these three podcasts. Um, we talk about your number and depth. We talk about um, areas of growth. We talk about where you look like in stress and what you look like in security. We talk about your center of intelligence. Um, and there's a lot of other things that we can talk about based on where people feel like they need the most help or where they would really like to grow or where maybe they feel like the Enneagram could help them and become more of a tool for them in their lives. And I do that with individuals or with couples. It really pretty much looks the same. It's just having two people versus one. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yes. Links to purchase that will be in the show notes as well as to read more about it all in the show notes or in your podcast player. Do you have anything else? No, just I wanted to say a huge thank you for taking the time to do this. And when we kind of started it, uh, we didn't really know where it was going. And I think I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited to get it out there because it's been impactful for for the two of us and in our relationship and in our relationships. And so that is, I think, what kind of drove us to be like, well, we need to dive into this a little more and we need to share it with as many people as we can. And so we're, we're grateful that you were willing to do that and we're happy to do it um, on our end. So thank you. Thank you guys so much. It's been a real joy. And like I said earlier, if nothing more came from it than just the growth that you guys were able to have, that was a huge blessing to me. So I'm really, really happy that it was impactful to you and that it meant a lot to you guys. And that you, again, People don't have to pay any money. There's lots of resources on the internet if you just want to read about Neogram. It's such a valuable tool for relationships and for self-love and for self-compassion. So, you know, even if you're like, I don't have a penny to spend and they listen to this group, these great podcasts and then they just want to go and just Google it up, please do it. It's a great way to just learn about yourself and to be able to know yourself and explain yourself to others in a way that just really helps you and helps your relationships. So I really appreciate you guys' time. And I just really appreciate your curiosity and going along for the ride with me on this Enneagram journey. Yeah, of course. And we'll include links to for people to get started on their research too. Absolutely. So they'll have those options. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your day and we'll be in touch. Thanks, guys. And we're back. Crushed it. Nailed it. (laughs) Thank you again, Kelsia, for all of uh, this amazing conversation and for teaching us so much about the Enneagram and helping us both better understand ourselves and each other. It's been incredible. And yeah, thank you. Yeah. And also, I think one of my big takeaways is I'm not supposed to tell Emma she's being a real nine. (laughs) No. No. You're not. I think it.
but I don't say it. That's one of the rules of Enneagram. Yes. Just Enneagram like, just like I, can't, I can't tell you you're being a real one. You don't have to. I'm well, I'm well aware. Well, I'm well aware I'm a nine too. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, if you have any feedback on this three-part series, we'd love to hear from you. Go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the Contact Us button and send us an email or a voicemail. Also, if you're interested in doing the Enneagram experience with Kelsey, she is offering a typing experience with, um, she'll figure out your type and then do a 90 minute session with her as well. And if, of course, if you want to book more sessions with her, you can uh, go and use the links in the show notes to sign up. That lets her know that we sent you as well as supports the show. Yeah. Did I miss anything? I don't think you missed anything. All of the information in summary on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click in the show notes for this episode. And next week, we've got our regularly scheduled episode on Wednesday. Yes. I don't remember who it is. We did not plan. <laughs> I did not plan to even talk about this. So. No, nope. just come back next Wednesday and listen to our show. Yeah, and you never know who it'll be. No, it's totally a totally surprise to you and to us. <laughs> well, when we're recording this, it'll be a surprise. But when it actually releases, we'll know. Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah, <laughs> you're an extra literal. Huh? <laughs> I had to keep the theme, you know, throughout exactly. the intro and the outro. Perfect continuity. <laughs> important. All right. We'll see you all on Wednesday. Have a great weekend and thank you again for listening. Bye everyone. Thanks for listening. So I just said. I know. I had to say it too. Oh, all right.